Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Matthew 21, today's Palm Sunday. It's the day Jesus triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem. It was a massive celebration, and yet Jesus knew there was more coming. The celebration. Today, I want to look at two lies that stop you when it's time to enter your next season. You need to understand this. When it's time for you to enter, this is Palm Sunday. Jesus was entering Jerusalem. It was a day of strategy. It was a day that would shift history, and the people were celebrating and praising and worshiping. Why? It had been so long since it had any hope. It had been so long since there was anything to look forward to. And this day had been building for three years. They had heard about the miracles. They had seen the people who said, I was lame and I'm walking now. I was, I, 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 he fed us. It was miraculous. And so everyone had been wanting to see this Jesus. And here he is. They're celebrating. They're, they're waving palm branches. They're throwing their coats and carpeting the roadside with their cloaks. And he's coming into the city. It was One place we'll read here, it says the city was stirred. That word stirred is literally the Greek word for an earthquake. The worship shook the foundations of that city. It was amazing. It was an amazing moment. But in that moment, our series is about lies. Why do we need to understand lies? Because it's Satan's number one weapon. How many heard what I just said? It's his weapon, lies. And the longer we listen to them, the longer we entertain them, the more impact they have on our life. And so on this incredible day, you would think Satan would not dare in the midst of this final week to lie. But he was in a desperate run to stop what God was doing. And today in your life, you need to know that when it's your time to enter, how many of you believe you still have more left in your life? Can I see your hand? How many believe that you've still got a big season ahead of you? That God's not through with you. He's not through with your family. Come on. How many believe it's time to stop wandering in the desert and enter into the promises of God? Well, these are the lies that Satan will throw at you. When it's time to enter, okay? These, this message is exposing the lies that stop you. Do you know what may be keeping you from that next season? Not what the devil, the devil is able to do. It's what he's lied and we've accepted. Did you hear what I said? The thing that may be stopping you today in your journey of faith is not someone else. It may be you because you believe something. It's a lie from the devil. He doesn't have the authority to stop you. Can you say amen to that? But a lie can stop us in our tracks. So we're going to expose uh, the lies that stop us. So let's look at this incredible entry. Matthew 21, verse 1. Matthew 21 and verse 1. I'm still over with the offering scripture. Let me catch up with myself here. Matthew 21, 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, 
and he will send them right away. Now, everything, I want you to see this. Everything Jesus did was to fulfill scripture. It wasn't just a random light. He was stepping in the purposes of God for you and me. Watch this, verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you right gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. If you're here with me today, let me give you a quick little insert. And you're struggling in your faith. You're listening today and you're saying, I don't know if I believe the Bible. I'm not sure I believe Christianity. Let, let me explain something to you. There were over 300 prophecies spoken about Jesus before he came, born of a virgin. Over 300. Over a period of hundreds of years. Okay? Statisticians could not calculate this number until computers were available. The odds that one man could come along randomly in time, anywhere in this scope of mankind, and fulfill these 300 prophecies in a 33-year span. Are you with me, engineers, NASA folks? Are you with me? Professors, teachers, young skeptics, old skeptics, are you with me? This is not faith, it's statistics. They've entered in the statistics. One man out of billions of people in a 33-year time period could fulfill all 300 of these prophecies. The odds that that randomly happened are one, not to a million, not to a billion, not to a trillion. It is one followed by 10 pages of zeros. There is no number to describe that number. There, there, there is no name for that number. I can tell you that the reality and the proof and the authenticity that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that he will do what this Bible says has been proven over and over and over again. But prophecy alone is an undeniable proof he is who the Bible says he is. Creation is a theory there's the theory of evolution, the theory of this and that. I am telling you, there is no scientific fact you can find. I challenge you today on YouTube, on, on every tube, on any tube, to prove me wrong, to find anything that has that, stats, that statistical evidence of its validity today. Your faith is based on truth and power and knowledge and the eternal God that if he says it, he will do it. How many are thankful he's a documentable, provable God? Some of you look stunned. You didn't know you could prove that, did you? All right, let's go. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey, the colt, placed their cloaks on them. I'm reading fast on purpose. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, shaken, quaking. Who is this, they asked. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house 
We'll be called a house of prayer. Come on. But you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They ask him. Yes, I do, replied Jesus. Have you never read? He quotes Psalm 8-2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Then drop down to verse 23. I'm going to edit a little bit to get the main points to you today. Verse 23, seeing these things, Jesus entered the temple, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. Watch this. By what authority are you doing these things? They ask, and who gave you this authority? Lie number one, when the devil wants to stop you at an entry point in your life, as he will challenge your identity. He will throw a lie at you. You see, the scheme of the question is the basis of the lie. Hey, who gave you this authority? In other words, the lie is simply this. You have no authority. You know what that means when someone says, you have no authority? Do you know what they were saying to Jesus in that moment? They were saying, sir, you have no identity. You have no right to do what you're doing. You have no place in this temple. You don't belong to this club. You're an outsider. You're an orphan. You're fatherless. You don't have any pedigree to be in this place. The devil will always try to attack you at the point of your identity when you're about to enter into the next season of your life. He will look you in the face and say, you don't belong here. You have no right here. You haven't earned it. You don't have anyone giving you this. Who do you think you are? Anybody ever heard those lies? You ever heard those questions? You get ready to say yes to God and the devil says, you better sit down and be quiet. You better hold your tongue. You better stay in your place. How many times has culture said to you, you better stay in your place? How many times has culture ever said to you, you don't have the right to be here. You didn't earn the right to be here. You don't know the right people to be here. You haven't done the right things to be here. But the Lord Jesus Christ will look at you and say, you have a father in heaven who knows you by name, who counts the hairs on your head, who count the tears when you cry, who said, you're my son, you're my daughter. If somebody says, who gave you the right? All you have to do is know who your daddy is. Say, I belong. They challenged him at the core of his identity. Who gave this to you? Who do you think you are? You see, the lie that says you have no authority is the lie that always takes your focus off of God and puts it back on you. See, the whole plan of the enemy is to get your eyes off of God and pull your eyes back on yourself. If we live our life looking at ourselves, we're going to be discouraged. We're going to trip up on things. We're going to have moments when we could say, see, see what happens? The devil wants you to focus on your unworthiness instead of God's qualification for your life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. There, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I really believe there are people in this room listening to me and online, and you're on the verge of a brand new step in your spiritual journey. But the enemy's been lying to you. 
He's been trying to get your eyes back on yourself. Has he reminded anybody this week of your past failures? Has anybody here been dealing with your own unworthiness? 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is what we read. The Bible says we got it here. Look at this. God made him. This is Jesus. God made Jesus. He's talking about what happened on this cross. Are you with me? Not what you did. I didn't die there. You didn't die there. He died there. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin. Now, the better translation of this is not that he was made to be sin. Literally, he was made to be a sin offering. Okay, so God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to become what for you and I? Our sin offering. Why? So that we, look at this. This is who you are. What right do you have? What audacity do you have? What makes you think you belong? Why could you get up and go to church today? Why did you stand up and worship in this house if people knew who you were and where you had been and what you'd done and how you failed? Who do you think you are? Well, this is who you are today because of the one who knew no sin who went to that cross and became your sin offering. In the eyes of God, you are the very righteousness of God. Your sins have been washed away. Your unworthiness has been done away with. Heaven has erased your record of sin, and God has clothed you with a robe of righteousness that when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see where you failed, how you sinned, where you've been, what you've done. He says, that's my daughter. Look at her. Look at that beautiful woman of God. He looks at you and says, look at my boy. Look at that man. He's righteous. He stands before me like he never sinned. That's the God we serve. That's the challenge of the enemy. When you're ready to move in, the lie that stops you is you don't belong. You have no right. You have no access. Keep your eyes on the past. Look at this from Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 one and two. Look at these verses. Therefore, since we have been justified, you know what the word justified means? Just what I taught you. Justification means when you come to Christ, God looks at you like you never committed one sin in your life. Justified. Through faith, we have peace with God. I'll just read that one verse through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to say out loud, I've been justified. I've been justified. I didn't earn it, but I've been justified. I want you to say I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Wow, I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You know, I, that, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. Come on, look at somebody and say you look righteous to me. Come on, confess it. I know you got to speak by faith for some, but say it anyway. Look at somebody and say you look righteous to me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, the devil says you don't belong here. See, he says, you don't have any authority. Watch this. Do you know why he attacked authority? Listen to me. Because this is where he's defeated. Are you listening to me, church? He doesn't want you to understand authority. He didn't want Jesus to use his authority. See, so he says, hey, hey, who gave you this? How did you get this? What makes you think you have the right to do this? Listen, listen to me. Authority is the right to use an existing power. Okay, did you get that? The devil doesn't want you to know you're the righteousness of God. He doesn't want you to understand you've been justified by Christ. He doesn't want you to use your authority. Listen to me. Because that's how you defeat him every single time. 
Stay with me on this. i got to teach you a little bit. Authority is the right to use an existing power. But the key is how do we access that authority? How do we access this authority to reach and use and live with the power of God in our life? Well, it's very simple. We access that authority through our relationship with Jesus Christ. See, authority is such a strong and powerful word, we fail to understand how it really works in the kingdom. Jesus modeled before those disciples that his authority, listen to me, came through his intimate, personal relationship with the Father. They watched his prayer life. His authority was not because he was mean, ugly, and domineering. Are you listening to me? His authority did not come from human intimidation. His authority came from his relationship with his Father. So what are we learning? What do we understand? Listen to me. If the authority of God is going to operate in your life, and you need to understand this because this is the only way you win. How many hear what I'm saying? This is how you're going to call your prodigal sons and daughters home. This is how you're going to overcome the lies of the devils. Everybody with me right now? You must understand this. It's the only way you win these battles. Okay? If we're going to exercise the authority that moves mountains, listen to these statements. If we're going to exercise the authority that moves the mountains in our life, we must know the God who has the power to move those mountains. See, I'm not going to have any authority if I'm not in relationship with Jesus Christ. But when I have the relationship, he's my personal Lord and Savior, then I have the authority to move the mountains because I know the God who has the power to move the mountains. Are you with me? Okay. So it's based on relationship. Someone say relationship. So why do we sometimes have such a lack of authority? Why do believers get buffeted around? Why does the enemy lie at us? And, and, and pardon me for using an old Arkansas term. And we just tuck our tails and run. Why do we do that as Christians? Why when we're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ and we've been justified by faith and the devil pulls out the same lie. Come on, tell the truth. It's not a new lie. It's the old lie that's giving you trouble today. Am I right? It's not a new one. It's the one you've been dealing with since you were that tall. It's not a brand new one. It's the same one. Every time he sees you about to enter into a new season, he said, I just want to remind you, you need to remember You need to look back. You need to understand. See, so why, if we have this relationship with Christ that allows us access to his authority, why are we not more authoritative in dealing with life? Listen to me. Because lack of authority originates from lack of relationship. Did you hear what I said? So, in other words... If I'm not walking with him on a consistent basis, I'm, I'm creating gaps in this thing. You don't earn authority, you receive authority. It's a product of relationship. And if I am submitted to Jesus and I love Jesus, I didn't say you're batting a thousand, I said you love him with all your heart. We talked about that last week, didn't If I fall, I'm going to fall forward. If I'm okay. But I'm in relationship. I love him. I'm serving God. If I'm living in that place, his authority is flowing in my life. But if the will of God and the purpose of God is right here, and I'm living my life over here, I'm not in that authority. 
And I know that and I become tentative and I become doubtful. Are you with me? Because I'm not in that relationship. But when I'm walking with him, see, authority flows positionally. It flows in proximity. And so I don't have to be strong. He's strong. I don't have to know everything. He knows everything. How do I have authority? I have authority not because of who I am, because of what I've done, because I know this, I know that. I have authority because I love him. I have authority because I'm under him. I have authority because I'm walking with him. I have authority because I know him. See, that's why the Pharisees struggled, listen to me, with the authority of Jesus. Listen, they knew all about God, but they didn't know God. They knew all the rules, but they didn't know the God who spoke the word. They knew all the details, but they did not know the love of God. They struggled with somebody like Jesus. He wasn't in their club. He didn't go to their church. He didn't have their study Bible. Come on, anybody with me now? He didn't line up with them. And they said, you don't have any right. You're not in our club. What they didn't know was no man gives any other man the authority of God. It only comes through a relationship with Jesus. So if we access authority by relationship, come on, stay with me because I want you to get strong in this. If we access authority through relationship, we activate authority by faith. Do you hear what I said? We access authority through relationship. But it's not enough to say, hey, I got authority. Really? What are you going to do with it? You know, we, too many Christians kind of like Barney Fife. Got the gun, but no bullets. Come on. <laughs> See? So I access authority through my relationship with Christ. But how do I activate that authority? I activate that authority by faith. Listen to me. Faith is not the sum total of what I know. Faith is not just knowledge. Faith is action based on what I know. So, so I can access authority. I'm the son. I'm the daughter. I'm in right relationship. I'm the righteousness of God. I've been justified. We have access to the authority of God, church. Are you with me? But we need to activate that authority. We need to action that authority. We need to pray that authority. We need to stop running around screaming, pulling our hair out every time the devil tells the same lie. Come on, who's with me today? We need to begin to stand up. And it doesn't matter what we hear, what we say. And maybe those prodigal sons and daughters look at you and say, I'm never going to go to church. I'm not going to serve your God. I don't love God. Don't run away and cry and moan and groan. You need to walk into your prayer closet and say in the mighty name of Jesus, I represent the will of God on earth. I represent the kingdom of God on earth. I say that God said, you're my son. You're my daughters. You're the heritage of the Lord. My family will serve God for a thousand generations you will prophesy you will speak the truth you don't have anything to say about it I'm settling it now in heaven I didn't say tell them that I said go in the closet and tell the devil that who's messing with their mind you rebuke the devil and he'll get off your kids quit arguing with your kids and your husband and your wife and your neighbor and your family and get alone and use your authority in the kingdom of God. So you have to understand something. Look at this verse, Matthew 28, verse 18. Dear God, I got to get going. I, all right. Look at this. This is after the cross and the resurrection. Okay. It's critical. You understand the timing of this statement. The disciples came to him after the cross and the resurrection. 
And what does this word say to start this off? Then. Every word in the Bible is important. Something happened, had to happen. Are you with me? Before we got to then. This means following something. Are you with me? Then. After a scenario. Then. For the first time. He never made this statement to them before now. Because it wasn't accurate until now. Are you with me? Then Jesus came to them and said, you got to get this. What are we talking about? Authority. What does Satan always challenge when you're ready to enter a new season? Are you with me? Now listen, if you just want to have help me make it through the night, Christianity. I'm not your man. If you want me just to, you know, pacify, pat you on the head, you know, act like your grandma, you got the wrong guy. I'm not going to bring you here on Sunday morning. You've been acting ugly, and I'm going to say, bless your heart. I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. I believe everything God has said about you. Anybody with me in this room? Okay. All right. So this is what this is about. This is about entering in, entering in. Come on. I'm entering in. Then Jesus came to him and said what? What about authority? How much? Why had he never made that statement to some disciples on the planet? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'll read the next verse. Let's read the, Do we have the other verses here? Look. Therefore, go. See that? He said, I want you to know, listen to me, guys. He's telling me, I'm going to make a statement that I haven't made before. All authority is mine right now. And I want you to go make disciples of all nations. Now watch this. All authority. All authority. Now, here, here, I, want you to, I want you to make sure you got some things straight here. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God had delegated earthly authority to represent him on this earth to Adam. When Adam sinned, he forfeited his authority on the earth under God. Are you with me? He moved out from under the relationship. He moved out from under the position. He said no to God and yes to sin. And he forfeited the authority God had given him on earth. Satan, unfortunately, usurped or stole that authority on earth. Listen to me. God's authority in heaven was never in question. God's power was never in question. Listen to what I'm telling you. When man fell and Satan stole the earthly authority that God had given to Adam to represent him, God didn't lose anything. Man lost something. Are you with me? Is that clear? All right, when Jesus came and died on the cross, was raised from the dead, defeated death, hell, and the grave, what happened? God didn't gain anything then that he didn't already have. God never lost anything. What Satan lost with the cross and the resurrection, listen to me, was not his power. He lost his authority. So Jesus regained the authority that Adam had lost and put it in the hands of his church. Are you with me? The devil still has power. He didn't say all power. He said all authority. So you better learn how to use some authority. Listen to me. Everybody's still with me. I don't want to confuse you in my term. The devil has more power than you have. I don't like that. Well, I didn't ask you. You like that. I'm trying to help you. The devil didn't lose his power. He lost his authority. Authority is the right to exercise the power. Can I give you some good news? 
Quit worrying about who's got more power. God's got all power. And you have the authority to release that power. And you have authority to stand in the name of Jesus. Authority is like a proclamation. If the president or the Supreme Court makes a law and that law is read, whoever's reading that law carries the same power and authority as the person who wrote the law. It doesn't matter who's reading it, it's who wrote it that matters. When you and I on this planet stand and decree the word of God in the face of the enemy, we release the power of God through the authority that he gave us. And whether you feel weak or strong, Whether you think you're big or bad, whether you think you're little or small, when you speak the word of God in the name of Jesus, the authority of heaven that defeated death, hell, and the grave is released in your life. We have the authority now. Come on, somebody thank God. That's why the devil always comes and says, who gave you that authority? From now on, tell him, Jesus Christ gave me that authority and use it for the glory of God. I got to hurry, but let me just give you a minute of this. Well, maybe we'll come back, all right? What was the other thing he said to them? What was the other lie? Authority means I belong. I have standing. I have position. I belong, and the kingdom's flowing through my life. The devil wants to lie to you about that. He wants you to look at yourself instead of God. The second lie was this, and I'll just give you a brief. He, they, he, they said to him, everybody's worshiping and praising. They looked at him and said, This is the wrong time to be praising God. The devil always wants to lie and steal your praise. How many heard what I just said? The devil will look at you right when you ought to be praising and say, don't praise him now. Don't praise him now. They became indignant. They said, you need to shut your mouth. You need to stop these children. You need to stop doing this. And what did Jesus say? I love this. Have you noticed every time someone challenges Jesus, he just quotes the word. He just quotes the word. He just quotes the word. Look at Psalm 8 and 2 right here. Look at this. Psalm chapter 8. Look at this very quickly. I might have verse 1 on this. Psalm chapter 8, and it's coming right on top of the apple. There it is. Look at this. Through, look at this. Through the praise of children... And infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Did anybody see that? They said, you need to stop these children. And Jesus laughed and said, the word says, praise is so powerful. It doesn't matter how little you are, how weak you are, how overlooked you are. When you start praising God, it is a stronghold against your enemy and you silence the foe. If you want to stop his lies, you start praising God. Jesus said, pull the word out on them right now. There are going to be moments in your life where the devil's going to come and tell you, don't praise God right now. Don't praise him right now. There are going to be moments when you're about to enter and the enemy gets in your face and you, and you need to understand that's when I'm going to praise him. That's when I'm going to begin to do this. Why? It releases power. It stops the lies of the enemy. Isn't it interesting as Jesus was Entering Jerusalem, the devil said, don't come in here praising. You know why? Because Psalm 100 says what? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. You're about to enter a new season, and you have to come in through the presence of God. You've got to come in praising him. People that stop you from praising are people who don't understand the presence of God. Some people get a little nervous when people really start praising God. I've watched this over the years. 
I've seen some places and somebody had a breakthrough and they're praising God and, and they get a little loud and people say, is that a devil? If you don't know the difference in the devil and praise, you need some spiritual 101. See, some people will never understand your breakthrough because they don't know what you've been through. Some people get upset because somebody gets loud praising God. And, and if they knew why you were praising him, they'd be loud beside you praising God. And what just happened in that moment. Anytime you begin to praise God, and you're standing on the verge of a moment, the devil's going to come to you and say, don't praise him here. Don't praise him now. Don't get loud with this. Don't get excited about this. See, people who serve God at a distance never are comfortable about the right now, right here presence of God. We don't need to create a church where God just visits us once a while. We need to be a people where we have a house of prayer, a house of presence, a house of the glory of God, where God can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, because we know he inhabits the praises of his people. But what got me at the end of this Thing. And what always grips me is this. Jesus said, don't you understand? In, in, in Luke, we, we read it there. You can read it later. Luke 21. He said, don't you get this? Or Luke 19. Don't you get this? If they don't praise me, the rocks are going to start praising me. If you don't understand that what I've done so powerful, if my people don't praise me, creation is going to start praising me. Has anybody got a testimony in the house today? Has anybody got something God's done? I'm looking around. Anybody got something to praise him for? Well, you don't need to keep that in all the time. You need to praise him with that. I want our worship team come back up here. Look at this. I, I, got, some, I got some rocks up here. I, I, you know what? I, I'm not the smartest guy in North Alabama, but I got better brains than that. I don't have the greatest voice in North Alabama. I've preached too long for 41 years. But I, I, I can talk better than that. Anybody, they are, you know, I've heard somebody say that someone's dumb as a rock. But, but you know, I'm smarter than that. And so I'm not going to let this talk for me. You're going to let this talk for you? I'm not going to let this praise for me. I remember the day God healed my body. I'm going to praise him, not that rock. I remember the day God saved me. I'm going to praise him, not that rock. I remember the day he saved somebody. I'm going to praise him, not that rock. I remember the day he answered a financial need. I'm going to praise him, not a rock. I remember when there was no way out. I'm going to praise him, not a rock. I remember when God made a way. I'm going to praise him. Him, not a rock. I'm going to give it a between the leg praise. I'm going to give a over my head praise. I'm going to shout all day praise because he's God. He's God. He's God. Anybody got any praise in the house today? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.